When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? The Super Bowl is right around the corner. The final four is set. Brady Rogers on the frozen tundra in Green Bay. Josh Allen and the Bills go to Kansas City. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Joining me now is a 15-year, very experienced prep writer from the San Gabriel Valley Tribune, the Pasadena Star News. He also wrote for a paper in Whittier, Aram Talegian. Aram, thanks for joining me here to talk about this, I, I guess, phenomena, new wave thing that's burst upon the scene called club football. Right. Um, thank you, Tony, for having me on. Um, I, I want to um, just uh, uh, make certain or underscore that that I am a former writer, so I'm not speaking on behalf of any um, – media organization other than the the small little one I have here with my podcast. <laughs> and like I've told people before, I've I've got no dog in this fight. I've just seen it just dominating social media with with the people that I follow and and I've talked to a lot of coaches about it. I've talked to a lot of people about it and and I posted one that was, you know, in favor of it. We talked about some of the positives that come from it. But you've been a critic of it so up to this point. Why is that? Well, at its core, I, I think you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. But beyond that, and and what I'm ta- what I'm referring to there is the pandemic uh, that we're in um, and we're trying to get out of. Uh, but beyond that, um, it's my opinion from what I've seen with these uh these club teams and these leagues is that um these things are around for very very selfish reasons uh they're not started for the right reasons they're around for very selfish reasons and there's literally no chance that they can be managed safely in terms of the virus um and in terms of handling the same type of outbreak that hit almost every college football team this past season uh, and hit almost every pro football team. I, I, I want to say all of them got hit by it, but I, I, you know, just to just to be on the safe side, we'll say almost all of them. Um, it is a safety risk. It's a health risk, um, and and basically, it's a selfish 
uh, uh, move by parents um, and especially by the coaches and the people that run or own these leagues? The coaches that, that I've spoken to, some on the record, some off the record, their whole thing is we're giving kids an opportunity, senior kids an opportunity that may not have a, they didn't have a chance this year to get any film together, to get out, to show colleges that, hey, I'm, I, I think I'm good enough to play. I'm interested in playing. Here's my film. I'll let you evaluate. That's true to a certain point. Um, when you see some of these teams and some of these rosters and you see guys that are sophomores uh, or juniors playing over guys that are seniors who could really use uh, that last bit of film, um, then then I think that, that that whole thing is is just one of these axioms or, or, or phrases that these coaches use to justify the situation. Um, that's really what's going on here is these guys are playing the very best guys uh, and they're trying to win these games for their ego. And you've seen it over and over again. They are trying to assemble the very, very best teams that they can to win. God, I don't know why, because, you know, these wins are not historic. Nobody's covering them. Nobody will remember them in, in a week, you know, that, you know, ABC team elite beat XYZ team elite. Nobody will remember that. There's no context to it. Um, if it's just a film grab, if it's just for the kids, then why are we not loading that with the kids that need it most? Instead, you have guys that are that are underclassmen and D1 guys, guys with D1 offers already getting the bulk of the playing time. So I, I, like many of the reasons they state for doing this, it sounds good when you hear it, but in practice, it's not true. Uh, and it's just a crutch to excuse, you know, the bad business that they're doing. Have you seen any of the games and have you seen any of the talent? Because I've seen some of the games. I know some of the kids that are playing and, and you know, they're, they're very talented. And, and like you said, and, and I didn't, I didn't even think of that, that why are sophomores playing ahead of guys that may desperately need to get that film out. And and parents, I think sometimes they're looking at that last-ditch effort to say, hey, I want to get this out there for my kid. Have you heard any people complain or voice concerns over who's playing, what level of kid is playing as far as their class and school goes? Yes, I've, I've gotten literally every type of complaint you can imagine about that uh, in my DMs on Twitter. Uh, in my direct messages from parents. And that's typical because when things fall apart or parents aren't getting their way, they do things like join a club league. And then when they, things start falling apart there, they do things like direct message a former sports writer or somebody with a voice or a venue to get out their message. And that's exactly what's happened. I've gotten every kind of complaint that you can imagine already from parents, which again, you got to take with a grain of salt to some degree because you know, parents are going to complain regardless whether they're playing for their hometown school or a club team. But when you join a team like this and you put up money, it's all of a sudden become a business. And I have gotten those complaints that that you know certain kids that don't need the playing time are getting uh, playing time over other kids. That there is prefer preferential treatment going on. That coaches are more concerned about the score for some reason than the film. 
Uh, and to answer your first question, yes, I've watched multiple games um, on YouTube, uh, various clips on the internet, uh, other places as well. And it is basically being played um, with all of the polish that you'd see in an all-star game when they had like two practices. It is very low quality football. I don't know how people are, are, are putting any stock into this film because like I said, it's extremely low quality, sloppy, unpolished football. Exactly what you'd expect from coaches that are overmatched. And I've talked to some coaches that say, hey, you know, the University of XYZ is actually watching this stuff because they know that there are some top-level players that are playing. So, you know, then there are some lower-level coaches that are watching it. And then I've talked to some coaches that I know, not as many as a lot of other guys, and and they're not watching it. So when when we see that or when, when we talk about that, what is the – what, what direction should we be going with this thing if the University of, say, you know, Oregon, I'll just throw that out there, or UCLA, if they're watching it, they're obviously interested in something. I would say that what they're interested in is kids that they already have a connection with. I don't think that they're, they are looking at it so much to find new prospects or new talent. That's just my personal opinion. A club coach who is, you know, also a seven-on-seven coach, will tell you that he is the biggest conduit to um, the D1 major college football coach, that his opinion is all that coach that guy listens to. Um, and if he tells him, watch this film, or I got a guy, then that guy will listen, you know, to him. Um, they will tell you that. Do I believe that? Not really. But I do believe that they are a connection um, for these major college coaches, like let's say a coach at Oregon, um, because they are a way, they are a go-between for that coach to stay in contact with a high-level college prospect. Um, and so therefore, they, they, they kind of help them feed this image that they are uh, very important. But as it turns out, um, I think when push comes to shove, they're not as important as they think they are. And I don't know about you, Tony, but have you seen any offers from like an Oregon or, you know, uh, that type of school that have come that we know have come directly out of club ball? Um, I've seen lower level. I've seen D3 schools, D2 maybe, but I haven't seen, you know, someone that got discovered at this level that got a major D1 offer. Well, the D3 schools and, and anybody that knows anything about recruiting, those their offers are all merit-based anyway. There's no athletic scholarship at a Division three school. At, at, at a Whittier, at a, at a Laverne, at a Cal Lutheran, at, at a school like that, that, that's all dependent upon your grades, and you've got to get in there academically first. And I just don't think people really understand the importance of the academic side of this. Yeah, uh, that's huge. Um that's definitely huge. Uh, that might help, you know, guys at this level. Um, that might help them more <laughs> than their actual film uh, is having, you know, character and, and grades, that type of thing. Um, you know, you mentioned Coach Maxey, uh, who I've gone around with plenty of times on uh, on Twitter. Um <sighs> The first weekend that his team played, uh, it's it's a San Gabriel Valley Pasadena-based team, even though it pulls talent from all over. Um, the first weekend that they played out in Arizona, 
he came back and said, uh, you know, very publicly, you know, one weekend, that type of thing. And we got uh, seven offers or, or, you know, six kids. I think one of them had just gotten offered the day before. So he, he lumped them in, called it seven offers. Four of them were from a D3 school uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And that's that's kind of my, my problem here. There's a hustle going on. There always has been. Most of these guys, including Maxie, are former um, or current seven-on-seven coaches. And most of the guys that are coaching these teams seem to be these guys that had seven-on-seven teams. And now, they're, now they've turned that into an 11-on-11 team. Um, and the dream that they sell to parents is college offers. Um, that's, you know, they are selling dreams. So, you know, is it, it, when you come with an offer from a school out in the middle of nowhere that the kid, you know, might make the kid feel good for a little while, but ultimately when push comes to shove, there's no chance that he's going to be going there. There's, I mean, they might even go there for just a year. One of these schools out in Montana or South Dakota. But these kids are going to be right back in L.A., right back in, you know, you know, Southern California um, after a year um, going the junior college route because they're so miserable out there. So for me, it just it doesn't account to anything. It, does, it doesn't add up to anything. It's not that big a deal. And like you said, this is not like your peer college offer or scholarship offer. And I'll take that a step further. Any of these offers, even from, from D1 schools, unless they are signable on that day, unless they are actual what we call committable offers, then they're just bluster, okay? SEC schools offer thousands and thousands of kids, make make them offers. Those kids can't say, okay, I'll take it. I'm going to go to you, Mississippi State. I'll sign right now. Let's go. They can't do that. They're not going to do that. So what is it worth anyways? I guess it creates a false market. I don't know. Well, I, I've seen those numbers as well, that the University of Tennessee one year offered 400 kids. You <laughs> can't take 400. And and the game that they play, and, and I talked to a friend of mine who's a, a, form, he's an, he's a former NFL coach, and he was at UCLA. He said, hey, my head coach may say to me, I can only recruit three linebackers this year, but I'm going to go out and offer 15, and I'm going to say, hey, I'm only taking three, so if you want to commit to me, then you better do it soon. And then there's that pressure they put on kids. And and I think when we see all these kids that say, yeah, I got this offer, I got that offer. Well, number one, if you're a freshman or a sophomore, you still have how many years of high school to go? Can you get into the school academically? Are you going to do your A through G, which is your college requirement? Are you going to take the SAT, the ACT? Maybe they can't get in academically, but boy, they got an offer in ninth grade. Right. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think we're kind of getting off on like a side issue here as, as to the validity of, you know, offers and whatnot um, that come out of these things um, or supposedly come out of these things. Um, for me, you know, for me, that's just selling a dream. Okay. And these coaches are very, very good at this. This is a very, very nice, profitable hustle i don't care what any of them say a lot of them will say i don't make any money off this not true um when you talk specifically about these club teams tony i know for a fact well i shouldn't say a fact because i didn't pay it but i know from multiple parents multiple multiple parents 
that the price differs just like it does in seven on seven. The price differs from player to player. If you're the kid that's not going to play that much, that has, you know, a little bit of a struggle um, going on as far as getting offers or, or, you know, in terms of your talent, you're probably going to pay more than the kid who's an out and out stud who the coach wants on the team to make the team look more glamorous. And that kid might pay nothing. And that's the same tactic that's used in seven on seven. I have parents complaining to me that a certain um, inland uh, empire based uh, uh, club coach, um, I won't name him, uh, basically needed them to pay for their ho- the hotel rooms of several players out in Arizona um, and promised to pay them back and didn't. Uh, some of the parents said, hey, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, a couple of the other ones did decide to pay for it, and the guy didn't pay them back. Um, this is what we're talking about here. This is, this is a ragtag, thrown-together situation um, <laughs> that's basically run by hustlers, and they're going to hide behind things when I call them a hustler, like saying it's for the kids and you're a hater and, and those types of things, but you can't argue with the facts. And forget all those things that I just threw out right there. You're doing this against the backdrop of a pandemic that 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 the health department, yeah, they can't make laws, but they can set protocols and they can tell us what's safe and what's not. You're doing this against the backdrop of them saying, hey, you know, we need to tamp this down. We need to, you know, um, not do these types of things until this virus gets better, which it really isn't. It's getting worse. You're doing this against that backdrop. And to me, it's just, it's totally ridiculous and selfish to be out there doing that. With that being said, and, and I, that's, that's the part I agree with as far as the safety protocols. Do you see a future in club football? Because I've spoken to some people and they say, absolutely there is. And how do you think it will affect the regular season of football or the the regular practice schedule of coaches where if this is a spring league and I'm XYZ school and I've got kids playing in a spring league, but I'm trying to run my spring practice. I, I think that's kind of a bad thing because now you're forcing a 16 year old kid to make a choice. Yes. To answer your question. Yes, I do see a future in it. And I feel like we were just here maybe 10 10, 15 years ago, but we the, the, the subject was, do you see a future? Or the question was, do you see a future in seven on seven? What happened with that situation? Uh, it went from a private club type thing to high school coaches feeling that they needed to step in and create their own club teams for the high school team because they were losing contact with their with their players and, and oftentimes their best players. And what happens to those kids and those parents when they join up with other, you know, top-notch kids and parents at a club level is they all start talking. And then the big ideas come about transferring and playing all at the same school. So high school coaches felt the need to jump in and get involved. And now the next thing you know, several years later, all the high school teams now play a seven-on-seven schedule, even though a lot of these coaches used to question whether it was worth anything, uh, whether their teams got out of it. It was kind of out of need that they got involved and out of kind of playing defense against these club coaches. Um, so they, they, they jumped into the seven on seven fray. 
why would this be any different? As long as seven-on-seven coaches are are having kids and parents' ears, as long as they have some sort of influence with those kids and parents, as long as they're selling the dream of I can get your kid a scholarship that his high school coach can't, uh, I can get your kid, you know, film against, you know, film that your your high school coach can't, um, I can do all these things for you. As long as they're selling that dream, they're going to have these desperate parents and athletes uh, buying into it, and they will have influence over them. And, you know, really, I think this is a done deal because you look what happened here, and it's very sad to me that this happened uh, over the last month. The high school coaches did, in fact, join up with the club football thing. They started announcing that their teams, several of them, all over Southern California, started announcing that they would have 11 on 11 football teams that maybe weren't coached directly by the head coach, but somebody on the staff. And it was a way to kind of keep their team together uh, rather than having their, their top kids go play for various other teams and, and that type of situation. And um, I, I don't think there's any going back. And the way the season would look quite, quite clearly would be, this would some, this would be something that happens either in the summer uh, or the, the 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 spring, the late spring, um, and you know, you tell me, man. I mean, you think it's a good idea for high school kids to play uh, two two tackle football seasons in the same year? I don't, well, but you know, I know that they do something similar to this in other states, and and my question is, and neither one of us know the answer to this question: Do we foresee the CIF changing? their spring practice rules to allow so many padded practices during the spring and then maybe a four to five game schedule that coaches can play to kind of nip this whole thing in the bud and, and cut it off before it really starts to grow. Uh, It's a good question. Um, I know that CIF would do that, you know, screaming, dragging, you know, having to be dragged, kicking, uh, into into making a move like that, um, you know, I, I think they've kind of come out today, just as we speak, um, and and sort of admonished uh, those two uh, Orange County private schools that actually played a game. <laughs> yeah, Cavalry <laughs> Chapel and some a smaller Christian school, which is crazy. Oh my God! Yeah, Capistrano Valley Christian. Um, again, <laughs> you know, Tony. The other thing that I can't help notice that 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 really does play a part of this, I coined a phrase um, a few months back called a MAGA coach. MAGA, obviously, in reference right. to Donald Trump, uh, coach being coaches. And I just think that too many of these coaches and too many of these parents um, let their political beliefs as far as the virus and as far as what the limitations should be because of the virus uh, cloud their better judgment. Um and therefore, they think that it's okay to do things like this, um, to fly in the face of CIF. That was a slap, that game, uh, in the face of CIF. Uh, and, and of course, I mean, we're not even talking about, you know, the health situation and, 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 and the guidelines that are out there, um, you know, put out by the uh, L.A. Department of Public Health. And I'm sure Orange County is the same thing, you know, um, to be doing that in this environment where bodies are literally stack, literally stacking up in hospitals, 
it's just utterly ridiculous. And yeah, I know the kids, so they say, um, don't really get too sick from this, but we don't know the long-term effects. Um, and in fact, we're starting to see that there are long-term effects. Uh, you might kick COVID, but you may have problems down the road that develop. Um, and But we do know that home spread is the number one form of spread of this virus, meaning you spread it, someone brings it home to the household, and it spreads like fire through the household. And people who are more at risk, maybe not little Johnny who's playing in the club football team, but, you know, maybe his obese uncle who comes over for, uh, you know, a holiday or a birthday gets it and has a severe case. Um, and now we've got a problem. And that was a spread that came out of a club football activity. I just I just feel like I've posted, you know, pictures of winter circle uh, games and you could see right down the sidelines. Um, if you don't mind, I'll tell people my Twitter. Is that cool? Yeah, go ahead. At Chemical AT, um, at Chemical AT, uh, just how it sounds. You can see it on there. I posted this pic multiple times of a sideline shot uh, at a winter circle game. And nobody, I think there's one kid that's wearing a mask on the sideline all the way down. The parents are sitting there. Nobody's wearing a mask. I feel like playing part of this playing club ball is an act of political defiance. Um, and I've gotten into, you know, little, little arguments on Twitter with people that, that, that are club parents and are sitting there telling me that masks don't work. Um, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I, I it's, up with it. I, it I, I, I really can't. It's an interesting topic. It's, it's something that I don't think is going away. It's going to be interesting to see how those powers that be actually deal with this in the future because I think the the further down the line we get the the less chance we are to have a football season and and like you said parents are desperate whether they are the delusional parent or not that thinks their kids going to get that offer to you know Alabama or any offer whatsoever you know like you said parents are going to do what they want to do People are going to do what they want to do. And if they're just guidelines and not laws, then we say, hey, we're not breaking any law if we're just not following the guidelines. Right. And I personally have a problem with people that mocked the protocols right down the line that, you know, when this thing first hit said, oh, masks, I don't I'm not going to wear a mask. Nobody's going to tell me to wear a mask. They were anti-mask. Um, they were anti anything that that people, I guess, tried to do. Um, people that weren't named Donald Trump, I guess, tried to do in order to uh, curtail this thing. And then when this, because of that, this virus got out of control and, and it is where it is now, where it is wildly out of control. And so these people that mocked all these safety protocols right down the line are now complaining, why can't we play high school football? Well, because of the environment that you helped create by not knocking this thing out. And the last thing I will add to that little portion of it is this argument that suicide, you know, if the kids don't play, they're going to commit suicide. Um, I understand that the suicide rates are up and it is a very sad uh, collateral damage to this, but it is a collateral damage to the fact that this virus 
wasn't handled properly from the word go. You can blame whoever you want to politically for that. It wasn't handled very well or it was quite, quite badly handled from the word go. And that is what has us in this situation. Not a guideline, you know, that's saying, hey, look, football is a high risk activity, which it is. I mean, you you couldn't get any more high risk as far as sports than football. Maybe wrestling, you know, where there is actual swap of blood, sweat, tears, so to speak. Um, close quarters, that's not avoid that's 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 you know unavoidable, that type of thing. Um, heavy breathing uh, into each other's face masks. You couldn't get more severe than that um, or more risky. And, you know, people's practices are what have us to this place. Then to sit there and say, well, I didn't do my part, you know, as far as preventing this thing. In fact, I mocked everything about it. And now I want my kid to be able to play, to, you know, be able to play club football when this pandemic is at its worst point. That's just total ridiculousness, Tony. I'll, I'll have to agree with you on that. And, you know, with that, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. I, I thank you for, for taking the time to do this and, and sharing your opinion with me. Like I tell people, I definitely want to get both sides of this story or, you know, both sides, the reasons for, and the reasons against. Um, and I think we accomplished some of that today. And, and when people listen to this, Aaron, maybe you're going to get some more backlash on Twitter. But, you know, this is it, – it's good that we can, I guess, civilly discuss something like this, whether we agree with it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how civil I'll be on Twitter, but certainly here. <laughs> That's yeah. not a problem. Um, and thank you, Tony, for having me on. I know that mine is sort of a um, uh, uh, an outsized opinion. Um and, uh, you know, I appreciate you letting me, uh, having me on to express it. Well, fantastic, Aaron. Thank you so much. And, uh, I'll be, I'll be on the lookout for, for the Twitter war that is, that is now coming. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll Thanks. just, I'll just sit back and pop open a nice cold one and, and uh, eat some popcorn and just, just read. That's, that's what most people do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time and we'll be in touch. Take care, Tony. Joining me now on the podcast to talk about club football is Jason Klein in his fifth year as the head coach at Newberry Park High School out in the Conejo Valley in Southern California at the 101 freeway. Jason, thanks for taking the time. How you doing, man? Doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you. My pleasure. Um, the whole club thing, and, and we were just talking off the air, and, and I just did part one of a podcast on the positives behind it, but there are those detractors that are not fully supportive of this, and one of the big things I've gotten out of this for this year's seniors, the kids that don't have a season, is it's helping them get film out and helping them get exposure to those colleges where maybe they can secure a spot on a college roster. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of one of the things that we talked about with, with our seniors is that, you know, in, in case we end up not having the season, if this is an opportunity for you to get that film, we understand it. You know, like you said, I, I'm not necessarily a proponent of it. Um, I didn't go out there and, and recommend it to any of our of our kids. 
Um, but, you know, some of them are, are looking into it or have chosen to do it. And it's for that reason, to try to get a little bit more film out there. And in that regard, I've, I've heard some positives. You know, I've heard that there are some NAIA schools, some Division three schools uh, that have reached out to, to some players, not only at our school, but others, uh, based on some of what's going on on these club teams. And a lot of those schools as well, the NAIAs and the Division threes, they're really looking at grades as well because I know Division three don't give athletic scholarships, and I've said it countless times on these podcasts. It's all academic and merit-based, and NAIA will give a combination of that. So for kids doing this, maybe that's the benefit. You find a small NAIA school that gives you both academic and athletic money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and if that comes out of it, I think that is a positive for our kids, especially because this is such a question mark right now. We don't know if we're going to be able to have a season. Yeah. And, and it's with the CIF announcing yesterday that, you know, playoffs and everything are canceled. It's, it's going to be interesting moving forward, but there are some negatives behind this. And, and we were talking about it off the air before we got started. What are some of your concerns with this? Um, one of the biggest ones is, you know, for us, we really believe in, in, in our community and our community-based sports. And when you have uh, an increase in the amount of club sports, um, you know, there, there are some positives to it. You know, kids get extra work and that kind of stuff. But you have kids from multiple communities going to different places. Um, and if you're trying to build school spirit, you're trying to build uh, excitement around your campus, um, you want those that attention and, and those teams to be focused on your campus. So if you have kids bouncing around to different clubs or if these clubs pop up during the season time or that kind of thing, um, it, it spreads that out and, and you lose some of that that hometown community spirit. And for a school like you guys, there's there's really two stud private schools around you, Oaks Christian and, and Grace Brethren, St. Bonaventure, they, they had their time. But you're not down in Orange County, so you guys really rely on that community spirit the families that have gone to Newberry Park over the last 20, 30, 40 years, and, and the neighborhood feel of your football games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, half of our staff is made up of, of former Panthers, half of our football staff. Um, and, and just, you know, our kids go around and they, they sell discount cards to our local businesses. And, and it's really important, you know, not only to the school, but as, as our football program, that's one of the things that we really teach is, is giving back and being a part of, of your community. And, and when you have the club situation, you have kids bouncing around to clubs in, in all sorts of different areas. So you lose some of that community feel. And then on the school campus, and I've been on your campus, I, I've done some games out there for a prep zone, even on my own campus. When, when it's Friday morning and you've got a game Friday night, and I don't know if your kids wear their jerseys or if they wear shirts and ties, but when you see the kids walking around there, then you have the pep rally in the gym and the cheerleaders and the band. And then Friday night comes and the stands are filled and it, the, the student section is there. there. That is probably, in my opinion, one of the best experiences for most kids that play high school football because they'll never play college. But being out there in front of their family, their friends, the student body, the teachers, man, I, I don't want to lose that. Yeah, you know, and, and neither do I. And I, I think you hit the nail right on the head that those those Friday night lights, that's how you kick off your school year every year. That's how you welcome in the new the new uh, crop of freshmen. That's the excitement that you build for your community and, and, and for your your campus. And and you're right. If, if we end up going to the point where where it's, you know, everybody's looking for a club. 
rather than playing for their local high school, then then we lose some of that community feel and that excitement that builds on those Friday nights. And you hit it right on the head. You know, we we are we're in our jerseys on on Friday and you can see, you know, kids walking around and just being proud of that and excited about what's going to happen on Friday night on our campus. You know, and then, you know, to kind of to kind of piggyback on that, the, the culture of the school and some of these kids, it's the reason they go to school and, and we as teachers, we push that academics, but for some kids who may not come from situations where academics is valued, them coming to school, playing a sport, having to maintain a certain GPA, that is their incentive sometimes to, to come to school, to get out of bed because then they've got that other positive thing in their life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's what drives some of some of our students and, you know, not just in football, obviously, in all of our sports, um, it, it, like you said, it gets them up out of bed, because they get to go to practice and they get to work hard with with their friends, and their teammates and, and go out there and, and do something that's not just necessarily academic, but something that they're also gaining life skills from. And that's, you know, the big thing about education based athletics is that it is such a tremendous life skills teacher not only you know for um, learning how to be a teammate learning how to work hard learning how to be disciplined um, but also to build community and i agree with you 100 percent. and then when you look at that these kids that you know you they come in as a freshman maybe they're not the best student but if they've got some athletic talent and some ability and a coaching staff recognizes that and and you start seeing these young men and and, and young ladies grow over the year and maturity in their careers then you say, hey, you may have a shot to play in college. And then maybe that's the incentive for them to start doing better in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and, and you know, that's any any type of way that we can reach a, a young a young man or a young lady uh, to get them over that hump to where, you know, OK, I need to I need to figure out a way to get something done in the classroom so I can take that next step, whether it be on the ball field or getting themselves into the college. The, having that athletic experience definitely gives us that extra piece of ammunition to help those kids over the hump. You know, the kids that might not want to show up, um, you know, Tony, what's, what's going on right now with COVID, that's been kind of our biggest hurdle is, is you know, motivating these, these young people to, to know that, look, we're going to get through this. You got to keep coming. You got to keep coming and, and we'll get through it. Yeah, and we want that light at the end of the tunnel to be an opening and not a not a freight train coming at us. The the questions I have for for some of this is if this is a spring league, how will this affect your spring practice? Because I know these seven on seven things affect coaches during the summer because these kids are all doing them. But now we're talking about spring practice which is a time for your juniors to now step up and take that senior role and for you to take those sophomores that were on JV the year before and, and kind of introduce them to varsity level football. Right. Absolutely. The, the big thing when we had our talk with our kids was that if you if this is the route you choose to go down, we would like you to make, you know, Newbury Park football your priority. Um, and, and make sure that you are talking to your coaches and they understand that you have practices with us and that kind of thing. Um, if we get to that point, Tony, where, where we're in the spring um, and we're not playing football, but they, they do have the opportunities to, um, to go play at this club level or these club teams, then that's something we'll talk to the kids about kind of individually and try to work through them or work through it with them. I mean, because it is such a unique time. And that's kind of my perspective on this is this is such an unprecedented event 
that I don't want to slam a door in a kid's face. Uh, as much as as much as I'm not a big proponent of the club uh, practices and games, I don't want to slam a door in a kid's face during this time because we've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, and, and that's but that's what we're all about. And and you look at these club teams and some of these guys the, from people I've talked to have you know they just want the best on their team. And and I understand that because you know who doesn't want to coach great players, but are are you maybe then forcing out the the marginal kid who's not the best football player out there, but you know is is that borderline kid that just just wants to play? And I've heard both sides of that, where some of the clubs are taking those kids and and some are not. And we don't want to shut the door in those kids' faces as high school people. Thank you so much for bringing that up, and that's something for us is such an important part. Of, of our program here, and I know a lot of the programs in our area, is those type of kids. The kids that are going to come out, they're going to work really hard for you, but they're not the best players. They're not going to be getting a scholarship out of this, but they want to be a part of the school. They want to be a part of the program, and those are the kids you absolutely love to coach, and that's one of the dangers with club is that you hear so much about stuff being pay to play uh, or or you're bringing in somebody that's that's really good or we're only going to look at people that are really good. Well, that aces out that entire group of students that you talked about, Tony. It's the scout team guys, you know, of which we, we really celebrate and enjoy having on our team here at Newbury Park. We're going to lose kids like that. And I don't want to see that happen. None, none of us do. And and I'm I'm not aware of the cost of club football yet. I do know that from my own children playing club soccer, Good Lord in heaven, that that you need you need seven jobs to pay for some of those clubs. And and it's insane how much money those people charge. And then you look at some of the club teams that are out there and you think those kids are they're not great soccer players, but the coach is charging an exorbitant amount of money. The club is charging you a lot of money to register and and buy the bag and buy the uniform and get all this and get all that. And the kid has no shot of playing at a higher level. They would be perfectly fine playing, you know, ASO or playing for their high school. And I don't want that to happen with club football. Yeah, no, you're, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's with with football, especially. I mean, think about the equipment cost for football, but most other sports other than maybe hockey, uh, football equipment is is incredibly pricey um, and, and the kids aren't getting equipment from their high schools. At least that's that's to my knowledge. They're not. Uh, we're not giving out any equipment. Um, but right. You don't want this to be a situation where it becomes about somebody's economic ability uh, to be able to play. And that's you know, I know club does face some of those issues and there have been issues with that with that with club sports in the past. Have you seen and do you fear that maybe and maybe you see it with the seven on seven stuff is if you get a kid that goes out and plays plays this stuff and you're trying to teach and coach a certain technique a certain way and they come back and they say, well, but my seven on seven coach says I should do this or now it's going to be. But but my club coach says this and my seven on seven coach says this. So now you've got three people coaching the kid. And you that have them during the regular season, you know, for that 10 game, hopefully 11, 12, 13, 14 game season, you're trying to correct some of the things that may not be done, be have being taught properly. Oh, absolutely. And that's I mean, you, you get that. And I know I talk to our, our coaches on campus that that have club sports that are a big part of their programs as well. 
Um, and, and you get that. You're going to get coaches telling them one way or the other. And, and really, the, the bottom line is, is you've got to make that point of, well, this is how we do it at Newbury Park, and this is the way we need you to do it. And, you know, we have cut-ups and film and, and how we show kids technique and that kind of stuff um, so they understand why we do things the way we do and show them how it works in, in real time. But yes, definitely, that's that's a concern. You know, it's it's when you have too many uh, the kids taking advice from too many people, they don't know which way is up. Too many cooks spoil a good meal, and you you can't have that. And that's that's a shame that that you may have kids that are being taught so many different things, and it takes you more time to correct it to get them to kind of do what what you want to do because you're you're a certified coach, you're trained, you've gone through to clinics, you've done professional development, you've yeah. You've done all of those things. And I think one of the fears with all of this is we get a lot of these dad coaches out there who have not gone through the proper training and they're going to teach stuff the wrong way. But mind you, there are some people out there, and I know some people that are coaching this that that are very good coaches that do know what they're doing. Yeah, and that's – I mean, that's – I don't want that to get lost either. There are some very good coaches, like I've heard of, of some of um, like the uh, community college coaches starting to kind of get involved in this because the community college season is, is done for this year. Plus it helps them kind of look at, okay, if a guy doesn't get a scholarship, maybe he wants to come to my community college. I think in terms of that, that's, that's a positive, but you're right. I mean, it's one of the other concerns is, you know, everybody on our, on our school campuses has to be paperworked and, and screened and that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know what the process is for these clubs. I mean, I don't know if that's actually the case or not, but they do have to go through that process here on our campuses. Yeah, well, we all do, and we've all got to get cleared through the CIF. We all have to do the, the the trainings and stuff like that. And and I know back when I was coaching football at Crespi, there were clinics that we would go to, and and we would go down to the old Stovall's clinic in Anaheim, yeah. and, and we would listen to college coaches, and, and we would get things, and we would then talk about it as a staff, about how can we best help our kids. And and my thing is, and I know club soccer has their licensing programs, Um I, I just fear that the wrong people get get involved in this and they're doing it for the wrong reasons, which is not really to help kids because then it becomes a financial thing. Right. Sure. You know, they, they try to avoid that that whole money grab situation, Tony. That's um, when we talked to the kids about it. It was that was one of the things we talked about. You know, the first one, number one, was safety making sure that they have people there, doctors, trainers, for when people invariably get hurt. Uh, the other one is, is make sure you understand where your money's going and, and, and who you're paying. You know, please be careful and, and do your research on that. Because I didn't, I really don't have any information on, very much information on who's doing any of this stuff or who's putting the teams together. So I encourage our kids and our families, if that's the way you want to go, make sure you look into that and, and that you really know where your money's going and who it's going to. And what we as, as coaches and teachers want is we, we want what's best for our kids. We want to see them, see them succeed both academically and athletically because like you and I were talking before, you know, Cameron Rising, you know, went to Texas. Now he's at Utah. And you've had some kids go on to play at the next level. And for me, getting to see so many kids during a season and seeing them play on Saturdays and now even Sundays, man, that's just a huge thrill for everybody, even the school because I'm sure you see kids wearing University of Utah hats and jerseys that, that are friends of Cameron that are supporting him. And that helps helps the school community culture and school spirit as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's, you know, with Cameron, Cameron going, like you said, to Texas and then Utah. And then we had Ben Goldbranson uh, off to Oregon State this past year. 
you know, every year we're, we're hoping to get guys that, that are able to play at that next level. Um, and, and like you said, it is, it is an excitement around town. It's an excitement for the kids on campus because they know that it's a possibility for them if they put in the time and the effort that they can get there, but also for kids that, that don't play sports, you know, they can turn on the, the TV on, on Saturdays and see, Hey, I went to school with that guy. I spent time in the quad with that guy. Uh, you know, I saw him on campus and they can tell their friends and their kids and that kind of stuff that, yeah, I, I was in a class with, with Ben or Cameron or, or Luca Fradiani, any of any of our guys that have gone on to play at that next level, it's it's exciting for them. And and you know, if we get to that club-based sports thing, we're going to lose some of that element. And for somebody like me, I could say, "Hey, I cheated off that guy in algebra class, and he helped me get a C." Man, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you you got to do what you got to do when you're Tony Moskal and you're not academically gifted. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Tony. Oh, has your league talked about this at all, you guys? Yeah, thank you for uh, – oh, about the club sports thing. We actually yeah. talked about this. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit, touched on it with our Ventura County Football Coaches Association um, just because it was brought up and kids were starting to look that direction. Um, and there wasn't – it was just kind of a discussion. It wasn't really like we came up with a position or anything like that. But it, but it was talked about and discussed, and I kind of said what, what we're doing here at Newbury Park uh, in terms of just giving kids advice on it and, and making sure that they're they're making the best decision for themselves and, and looking into all aspects of it. But um, it's it's definitely been discussed. There's there's talk about possibly my my hope is fingers crossed that if we end up not having this season, we can do something for our seniors where maybe we can put together um, some kind of uh, like all star game situation where, you know, like we team up with a couple other teams and we play two or three other teams seniors so we we can at least get these guys some some Ventura County um, football action. That would be fun. And if you need a PA guy, I'm available. That would be a blast to to do. And I think maybe some other leagues might, you know, start thinking about doing that because you want to get these kids that one last time to put the pads on and go out and, you know, and, and play the game that they love so much. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony, that'd be great. We'd love to have you on the mic. That would be great. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this. Like I tell people, I want to get both perspectives and, and I think I'm, I'm doing that. And, and I want to thank you for taking the time to, to voice, you know, some, some positives behind this whole thing, but, but also some concerns that we have that, that people may have as well. Tony, it's my pleasure. And thank you for having me on, man. It was a blast. All right. We'll be in touch, Jason. Thank you so much. Thank you. With the new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus get free shipping with code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try the snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor. Beef Wellington Steak Burger Sliders, Mac and Cheese Melts, Shrimp Wrapped in Bacon. Every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games. Big taste.
Being Home with Hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities, their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. Uh, Joining me now is somebody who is just a cornerstone in CIF Southern Section football history, multiple CIF championships, head coach for well over 30 years at Westlake High School, Oaks Christian, and he has revamped the entire Simi Valley program. Joining me now is longtime head coach and and longtime friend, Jim Benker. Jim, thanks for taking the time. Good morning, Tony. I'm I'm glad to be help. I'm glad to be on with you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. You know, the, this whole thing, and, and we were talking before we hit the record button. The one of the biggest things that that we as coaches got out of it from back in the day, and and the things we see from the kids, the the traditional high school football experience that that Friday night lights thing. And you've been around it for so long, CIF championships, you play, you know, state bowl games and stuff like that. How important is that to a community? And can club football replicate that? Um, first of all, uh, absolutely. It is the, the highlight of these kids career playing with their, with their friends on their high school football team. And, you know, when I talk about Friday night lights, you come to Simi Valley High School on a Friday night football game and you've got the band playing and you've got a sellout crowd and you've got, you know, the the cheerleaders and, 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 and all the, the pomp and circumstance that makes up high school football. And, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, these kids look back on their high school experience and the things they remember most are uh, the Friday night lights, the things that they did with their with their uh, with their teammates and 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 actually the the sweat uh, they put in in the off season to get to that point. Um, I just don't think there's anything that compares to it. And we were talking about it, and we go way way back <clears throat> to to our days at Crespi. the the fun times, the memories, and the kids that we still keep in touch with, and the players that you still keep in touch with. You more so than me because I I, I got out of coaching. Um, but those relationships that you build with the kids in the community that they carry with them as they may stay in that community, live in that community, raise their kids, send their kids to the same school that they went to, play for the same coach, there's a lot of value in that. Well, I think, you know, for a great deal of these kids, they grow up together. And, you know, obviously we're in an environment where kids still make decisions and choices on high schools and, and uh, you know, where they want to play, et cetera. But I think, you know, you look at this, this whole uh, club environment and, you know, the, the, the club program has, has really been built on the fact that we are in a pandemic and 3 million kids are sitting on the bench and they're not able to play high school football. And, and I think that uh, if they had the choice, uh, to get back on the field with their with their teammates and 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 to get back to Friday Night Lights, I mean, they would rush to it, you know, in a in in a second. And I think that says something for the kids. And you're right. There's a lot of kids that are they're 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 sitting at home. They've got nothing to do. You guys can go out as coaches and condition and do all that, but but that gets old after a while because there's really no competition in in just you know doing drills and not being able to throw a ball and not having the kids 
be able to do that. But but these club these club teams are are kind of promoting that and then giving the kids the competition, which I, I think for this year's seniors, the kids that have lost this season, I think it's good, but I set I think it sets us up in the future for for something that that could be I don't want to say dangerous, but you know, threatening to high school football. Well, I don't think it's a threat to high school football. Actually, I think it's it's uh, it's a result of, of of where we are with our pandemic. And, and as I said, you have three million kids on the bench that can't play sports. You have no church, no school, no sports. You know, what do the kids do? I mean, they're they're looking they're they're looking for an outlet and something to do. And you know, right now. Uh, you know, I would not stand in the way of a senior kid that wants to go out there and, and, and play club football. But, you know, we're in a different time right now. We're in a different time in all aspects of of, of, of our life. And, um, you know, I think uh, I would not stand in the way of a young man that 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 really needs to get some film and really has the thought process that he wants to play at the next level, uh, you know, from from doing it. But again, that's now. You know, when when this thing is is passed and and we get to the to to more of our normalcy of our lives, uh, then I think this phenomenal will pass. And and I know there's talk about uh, club football in the fall. Come on. You know, I mean, I, I don't see any any way that these kids are going to make a decision to play club football with all the. The, the, the that goes into high school football that they that club football can even get close to uh what the high school programs are providing and i know there's some talk out there about well some programs I, you know what every program uh, these high school coaches they they put their heart and soul into these kids every day whether it's on the field or as a mentor as as uh, as a father figure as as someone that they can look up to um, as I tell my parents, you know, I spend uh, a normal on a, a normal time. I, I would be five hours a day uh, with these kids. I spend more time than their parents do. And quite honestly, they, they, they listen to the coaches and they they mimic and they model the coaches. And so I think I think that uh, it's more than than putting a product on the field. It's it's all the things that go into being a a, a high school football player in on a team. Uh, working together for a common goal. I was talking to somebody um, kind of off the record about this whole thing. And, and one of the thoughts with the club football is, Hey, you know, we've had these kids since their pop Warner days, since they were seven years old, we've kept this team together. And why can't we, or why shouldn't we keep these kids together all through high school in a club environment, which is one of the, I don't want to say arguments, but one of the cases that they're stating that says, hey, you know, we've had them for this long, so why not keep them? Is that something that that you've heard that people have talked about? Well, I think, you know, most good high school programs are now year round. I mean, you know, the the uh, the three sport athlete has has really kind of flying out, flown out the window with the amount of time that these kids are putting into one or maybe two sports. Um, but I think most high school programs now are, are, uh, year round, whether it be lifting or, or field conditioning, uh, or, or field skills. And, and it, I mean, you run a good program and, and the kids are involved in football from, from January 
to December. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's all encompassing. So I, I think that there is, um, there, is, there has been because of the pandemic, an opening because kids need an outlet and, uh, you know, a lot of schools, ours included, you know, we, we, we can't provide them a full padded practice game environment. That being said, uh, you know, what, what is happening now with the club program and they're out there, uh, you know, full padded practices that, that that's illegal by the health department and, and the governor's office. Um, you know, everything that they're doing right now is illegal in the state of California. And if, 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 if we could do it, then the high school programs would be moving forward. And I think, you know, another point that, that, that has to be made is, you know, having a governing body like the CIF that, that, that makes it a, a level playing field and rules are followed and, and, uh, and, and schools are under the scrutiny of the CIF based upon uh, following these guidelines and following these rules. And, and you enter into a club football program, there are no rules that there it's a meet, a, a me philosophy of, you know, give me the ball so I can show what I can do because there's no playing for another, a, a, another, uh, a program. It's all, it's all about me. And, you know, I get it for, for these high school seniors. And I, you know, my heart goes out to the, to all these high school players that, that uh, have lost so much from, from, from March to December, uh, not going to school proms, uh, uh, dances, uh, you know, going to support the other programs in the high school. I mean, it's just these kids have, have lost so much and it's so unfair uh, for, a, for a whole uh, group of kids that, that have lost the things, the memories that we've all cherished for so many years. And, uh, you know, I look at them every day and, and the depression and the, and the, um, the really, the, 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 the no relief in sight attitude is really, really disheartening for these kids. And so, you know, I, I do understand how, how right now the thought process is to play some club football. And I'm, I'm not against a kid doing that in my program, but as the state just came out with guidelines, you cannot do two uh, sports at one time any longer. That, that was legal up until yesterday and uh, during the pandemic. And they now changed the rule that says, you can do one or the other. And, uh, you know, I think that's good for kids. And I think that's good for the high school football community. And now I think when we look towards the future and, and you look at, you say, and we all feel bad for these kids. You, you look at the, the fall sport athlete, you know, those, those high school football, the, the seniors, they lost one year. But now when you start looking at the spring sports, some of these kids have lost two years of, of their high school career. And that's, to me, that's just crazy. But, you know, when you look at the youth and and I know that a lot of high schools have strong youth programs that feed into the the high school. Do you fear sometimes that maybe one of these coaches is just going to say, hey, we're just going to take this team and you guys aren't going to go to high school. We're going to go to one of these places. We're going to hold all of you back in eighth grade. You're going to do it twice and then we're going to go club. Well, you know, I mean, you know, the, the world we live in, uh, you know, there, there's all types of opportunities and, and such, and, and the rules are made, uh, for, you know, for the, for the betterment of, of, of all, you know, and I guess there are ways that people can, can go around the rules and do things differently. But, you know, I think, I think you look at, I've been, I've been a head football coach now for over 30 years. I've coached football, 
high school football, you know, my whole career and the, the, the memories that these kids make on, on the gridiron with their friends is, is, uh, untouchable. Uh, you can't touch this with a, with, with, with a club program. Uh, I, I don't see how, uh, moving forward as soon as this pandemic is over, uh, life will get back to what we, um, you know, what, what we know it used to be. And, uh, and these club programs can continue to try to pull kids that don't have academic uh, uh, ability to play. I mean, I can see a kid that, that doesn't do a good job in the classroom, you know, and, and is ineligible to play on this high school team, going to a club program. I mean, those types of things could happen. Um, but I don't see uh, any, any anything changes mo- changing moving forward with uh, – this onset of this club program, I think it's, it's, there's been a little opening because of the pandemic and, and some people have jumped through that crack and started this program and they think that it's going to continue and it's going to be the, the greatest thing and that CIF is going to go away. Uh, I have news for you. There's a lot of people that think like me and that is that this thing is going to go away and the high school programs are going to flourish and the kids are going to uh, you know, go back to their off-season programs. They're uh, back to their their off-season sport programs. If they're running track in the spring, you know this 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 stuff steps on all aspects of you know the the types of life that these kids are used to, and 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 uh, playing two sports and being with their friends. And you know, I, I don't see it. Um, club football is not like club volleyball or club softball. You know, it's a physical sport and uh, to see that they're playing two games on on a weekend and and uh, there's no rules or regulations on how much they can play. The coaches don't have certifications and and protocols of the things that are that that professional coaches in the high school programs have to have. Uh, There's no regulations. Uh, You know, it doesn't promote uh, two sport or three sport athletes. There's no character programs. That is the, the the really the foundation of great high school programs or character and, and traditions and leaderships and, you know, all the things that should be uh, taught to these young men, you know, going out and throwing the football is just one aspect. There's just so much else that goes on with the high school programs in general. And we, you mentioned the academic part of it and the guidelines, the CIF, you've got to maintain a certain GPA. You know, if you go off in the club, and I spoke to a friend of mine who coaches pretty high-level club soccer, and he also coaches college soccer. He said, you know, hey, in the club, there's there's no GPA minimum. So you could have a kid that's failing all their classes and still play club soccer. My question to the club people would be, who's going to maintain and, and keep track of the academics for these kids? Because you don't have academic counselors. Do, do they understand what the A through G requirements are for kids to go to college? Because you, you may or you may not, you may just be a football coach who was a walk-on somewhere and, and you don't understand all the ins and outs of, of maybe the NCAA clearinghouse and, and all of those things. Do you see that as being maybe a roadblock for this as well? Well, you know, I, I see everything as a roadblock for this. Uh, you know, the, I, I, I see the only positive right now in club football is it's giving these young men, the 3 million high school football players that are sitting on the bench right now, an opportunity to play. And when you kind of dangle the opportunity to play for these kids, you know, they're jumping at it to, to go out and play the great sport of football, the sport that they love. And that's not currently available to them. 
in their high school program. Um, you know, we're still running around in pods and conditioning and, you know, the, the, the season essentially, the fall season is over and we're moving into a, a winter area right now. And, you know, there's no relief in sight. So, you know, the, especially for the seniors, I mean, they're turning to uh, a program that, that can get them back on the field and, and give them some normalcy in their life. Uh, and football is part of that. I mean, you know, there, there, there's nothing for these kids to do right now. I mean, there's no church, no school, no sports, no parks, no, you know, you, you go to the basket to, to, a, to a park and the basketball hoops are tied down. You can't even shoot basketball. You know, there, there's just no outlet for these kids. And, and I think this, the club program does give them an opportunity to do it. And, and some of them have jumped at it. There's, but, but that's just a small portion of the kids the majority of them are, are, are doing with the high school or we're still working with the high school program and, and, and very hopeful that our season is going to, going to move forward. And, and I, for one, am one of the optimists that says that we are going to play football. And uh, I've told our kids and, you know, we're moving for that. And, and uh, you know, talking to the CIF and the state office, and I'm on the Golden State uh, Football Coaches Association that is, uh, you know, moving towards uh, uh, the governor's office to help them to understand that it's not just playing a game. It's it's the mental health of these kids that have really nothing going for them right now from a from 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 a stay at home order to not going to school to to looking in front of a computer screen or staying at home uh, playing Fortnite all night. You know, there's just it's just not a good environment for our kids right now. They need to get back into some type of normalcy in their life. And, you know, this, this club football is dangling out there and some of them have jumped at it and I totally understand it. And I would have, and I have no uh, ill feelings towards the people that are running it or the kids that are playing it. However, it will be over soon. As soon as we get back on the field and the kids can go back to a normal high school life, uh, including sports and uh, the CIF can then put together, you know, all the great things that they do and, and uh, start getting the playoffs put back together for, for, for these kids. And, and then, and then you'll see that, you know, you can try to run a fall football program and you'll have a handful of kids that, that might not be able to play in their high school program for whatever reason, but you're not going to chase the dream in a club program. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, and the problem with running it during the fall, I mean, there are a myriad of problems, facilities and, and getting referees and, you know, that kind of stuff. Because where, where are you going to play and, and who are you going to get for officials, which, which I don't know. I'm just, you know, kind of throwing that out there. But I also think that once the kids do get back into school, we as teachers and educators, we have them in school every day and, and we can then influence them and, and, and show them the positives behind playing a high school sport, competing for your school, being that, that big man on campus, you know, wearing your jersey on that Friday of game day and, and going to the pep rallies and, and having that community feel and everybody behind you. And, and that really does help the mental health of young people. And, and I think that's something that once we do get back to, I, I agree with you that they, the kids will come back to what they see as familiar and that is their high school experience. Well, Tony, you couldn't have said any better, or I couldn't have said any better. I tell you, the the you know the, the year-round programs that that the high schools have now been able to run, uh, 
you know, with, with the opportunity for us to be with our athletes at, 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 at any time. I mean, essentially there's no limit to the amount of time that we can be with our players during the off season. And, and you all of a sudden see all these seven on sevens popping up and, and high school teams now are, are involved in seven on seven, you know, into f- starting in February. So that's the, that's the way a good high school program is run and the development, the skill development of these young men, and you're not overtaxing them with the physical game year round. I mean, you're giving them a chance to develop their skills as seven on seven players, or you have give them a chance with our lineman tournaments where they can compete in the off season and they're in the weight room, weightlifting, developing their skills, developing their strength, doing the things in the off season that they need to do in order to prepare for a fall high school football season is the way it needs to be. It's the way it's been going. And, and uh, quite honestly, the CIF Southern section, you know, I hear this stuff that the CIF is, 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 is not uh, needed and, and people want to change things. Look, the CIF Southern section or the CIF uh, uh, governing body in all different areas of the state, they enforce the rules that the schools vote on. The schools decide these are the, the these are the criterias that, that uh, we're going to use in the off season and during the season and having rules and regulations and professional coaches that have their certifications is the important thing, not going out rogue football and running around with some guys that are telling you that you're going to chase a scholarship by playing in the club program. No, 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 no. That, that is false. The, 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 the college coaches still come to the high school programs. You know, I, I know that in other sports that are, that, that are not year round, that, that are, uh, you know, the club level sports and probably every sport has it except football is because football is such a demanding physical sport that you cannot play it year round. That's my opinion. Yeah. And if you go to a soccer tournament over a weekend, you see kids playing four or five games over the weekend because you can do that in soccer. You can do that in basketball. You can do that in baseball. You can do that in volleyball. Can't play four football games in a weekend. Somebody would get seriously hurt. And, and I think that's maybe one of the drawbacks from it as well. Well, well, you, you just hit a great point. You know, I, I, I see on social media, you know, teams play two games in, in, on a weekend of a football club program, like, come on two games in a weekend. And that's why you need uh, regulations that are monitored by a governing body like the CIF that says you can play two games in a nine day period. I mean, those are things that are good for kids and, you know, to have a club program basically say, yeah, we're going to play again. Oh, Oh, let's play tomorrow. You know, come on. This this is a this is not something during the off season right now. These kids should be skill development and and body development instead of running around uh, pounding into each other year round. And you know, the state has has come up with regulations even for the high school program where you know we're only allowed so much time per week to have uh, any type of contact. We're only allowed to be around the kids in a physical standpoint so many, many minutes per week. Um, there, there are regulations once the season starts. And I think those things are so important to understand that you know kids running around playing football every day, tackling is not the right way to do things. 
Well, I great conversation, Jim. I, I think that we've hit some some key points here with all of this. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully, our numbers go down and we can get these kids back in school. Maybe, hopefully, I, I'm I'm optimistic. Maybe last ten weeks of the semester and and we can get something done and, and kids can get back out and compete. And you know, I'm 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 trying to be optimistic on this whole thing. Um, and I, I would love for it to happen. And I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me this morning on this. It's it's a touchy subject. There's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people on both sides of this. And and that's what I tried to do with this podcast is get people that are that we're out for the kids. We want what's best for the kids. Right. Well, you know what? I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. And and as always, you know, obviously we've been friends for 35 years. And, uh, you know, any any time that you need anything I'm there for you. And I, I fully expect us to have a high school season. I fully expect to play, you know, maybe six games and maybe a bowl game. And, and uh, the CIF has done everything to help us to do that. But, you know, I will I will just want, touch one more thing. If it was legal for us to be playing football right now, we would be playing football. Uh, the, 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 the club program that's out there right now and they're out there playing, that is that is completely against the guidelines of the health department of the state of California and the governor's office. So, you know, uh, I, I just, I, I don't see how it's being done to be honest with you legally. I, I guess everybody just turns their back on it, but it is not, uh, okay. In my opinion. Yeah. And I think the argument is, Hey, they're guidelines. They're not mandates. And, and there's, there's always a way around everything. So, you yeah, know, I, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. I just, uh, you know, wanted to make sure I, I put that in real yep. quickly. Yep. Well, Jim, thank you once again for taking the time. Um, I, I look forward to our future conversations. And and once this season gets going, maybe maybe the prep zone guys will get out to Simi Valley and, and we'll see the Pioneers in action. I hope that happens. We'll talk to you later, Tony. Thanks right, so Jim. much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. On this week's Where Are They Now, we head down to Westwood and take a look at the UCLA women's volleyball program, where freshman Allison Jacobs, West Ranch High School class of 2020, and previous guest on this podcast made her collegiate debut. In that debut, she had her first career double-double, totaling 12 kills and 10 digs. On the season, Jacobs has 19 total kills and 16 digs, as the Bruins are 2-0 as they beat Cal 3-1 and 3-0. Allison, we wish you continued success during your career at UCLA. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, both sides of the club football story. I would like to thank people, Damian Porter, Noah Fafita, Rob Maxey for joining me last week, and this week, Aram Talegian, Jason Klein, Jim Benkert for joining me. And there is a, a whole lot that still needs to be discussed about this. I just wanted to give both sides of the story. There are so many more people I could have reached out to or that probably wanted to share their opinion. And if you do want to share that opinion with me, then maybe I can have you on to talk about this further. So let's keep going forward in the right direction. Let's keep the masks on. Let's keep the social distancing. Let's do our best to get these kids back out on the competitive arena because time is running short for them. Thanks for listening, and until the next time, enjoy the rest of your day. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.